Welcome to Your Change, a broadcast aimed at revealing grace and empowering transformation. Through the revelation of God's undeserved, unearned and unmerited favour, we are committed to helping you make better changes in life for life. So today I want to, I want to touch on almost the same aspect of um, your spirit, but I want to zero in on the concept of the image of God. I want to zero in on the concept of the, the concept of the image of God, the concept of the image of God. Now, but just as a way of recapping, I used these three diagrams last Sunday just for illustration purposes. And remember, I said you are not around in any way. Right? It's just for illustration purposes that the way that God has created you, he has created you as a spirit being who possesses a soul, yet you live where? You live in the body. You are a spirit being who possesses a soul, yet you live in the body. And like what other uh, speakers were sharing that the, the process, which is what we're talking about last week, the process to manifestation, it has everything to do with us reaching to the spirit man and being able to tap and take everything that is in the spirit man and allow it to manifest in the physical. But that cannot happen by, by, if we bypass the soul. That cannot happen if we bypass the soul, the soul which is at the center. Why? Because the soul has the capacity to touch the spirit and also the capacity to touch the body. So everything that is in the spirit realm it can only come to the body if the soul permits it. That is why Proverbs 23 verse number 7, the Bible says, As a man thinketh, so is he. As a man thinketh, so is he. So if you align your thinking to who God has made you to be in the spirit, that is who you become. Is that clear to somebody in the house? If you align your thinking, if you align your reasoning, if you align your emotions to who you are in the spirit, that is who you become. Because as a man thinketh, so is he. But like I said that today, I want to, I want to deal so much with the concept of the image. The image, the image. Now, the significance of understanding the image of God upon our lives is that the image helps us primarily to understand our purpose. The concept of the image helps us to understand the purpose that God has created us for. In this world. That is why when you come to the scripture. The concept of the image. Is found in the context of creation. Let me repeat that isn't. The concept of the image. Is found in the context of creation. 
So the first time that we hear the subject of the image in the scripture, it is within or it is in the context of creation. That is why when we come to the book of Genesis, chapter number 1. Genesis chapter number 1 is an account of the creation. But when God had finished creating everything else, when we come to verse number 26, according to the Amplified Version, the Bible says, Then God said, Let us, that is referring to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So when God was saying, let us, he was speaking to himself in the person of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he says, let us make man in our image. Are you seeing that? Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. What does that mean? It's not referring to the physical, but to the spiritual personality and the moral likeness. So when the Bible says, let us create man in our image, the concept of the image is found in the creation account. Let us create man in our image. The concept of the image has nothing to do with the body. The concept of the image has everything to do with your spirit. Why? Because in the first case, God is spirit. Am I talking to somebody this morning? God is spirit. So if he's going to create man after his own image, the image must be within the realm of the spirit. He's talking of the spiritual personality. That is what God is saying. Let us place our image on man so that man can have dominion. So that is the first time we hear the concept of the image. And the second time we hear this language of image is in the New Testament. Now, in order to easily understand the two references of image in relation to creation, we have to identify two key men or two key characters in the scripture. The first one is the man Adam. So in Genesis chapter number 1, verse number 26, God was saying, let us create man in our own image. And we see God creating Adam in his very own image, Adam and Eve, in his very own image. But when you come to the New Testament, we find what the Bible calls the second Adam. Though I don't like the concept of the second Adam because it suggests that we might have the third Adam. But I fully subscribe to the the, 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 the aspect that says the last Adam. The last Adam. So the New Testament also identifies Jesus as the last Adam. So we have Adam in the book of Genesis or in the Old Testament and we have another Adam called Jesus in the New Testament. 
Now, both of them, they are created in the image of God. Both of them, they are created in what? In the image of God. Now, these two men, the Adam of the Old Testament and Jesus in the New Testament, in theology, they are called the federal heads of the human race. explain a lot today. They are identified as the federal heads of humanity or of the human race. I think I remember at some time 2006-2017 when I was teaching about grace from the book of Romans. I highlighted that which is something that I want to bring back again. I highlighted that you as an individual you are either in Adam or you are in Christ Jesus. You are not in the devil because the devil is not a federal head of the human race. Okay? But what the devil does, the devil takes advantage based on where you are positioned. And I'm going to explain a little bit further. Now, in the first creation, we have Adam created in the image of God. But because of sin, Adam lost that image. Or that image was corrupted. It was distorted. Because of what? Talk to me, church. Because of what? Because of sin. And someone might ask the question, or it was Adam, but it wasn't me. But because Adam is a federal head of the human race, that means everyone who comes out of Adam is also created like Adam. So if the image of Adam was corrupted, that means those who are the offspring of Adam have also got a corrupted image. Let me give an illustration to that one. If I'm going to be driving my car, is the father to my family, the head of my family. I get in the car and I sit on the steering, on the driving seat. And the intended journey is to go to Birmingham. Right. And inside that car, on the passenger seat, the front passenger seat, is none other than the beautiful Minister Winnie. And on the back seats, I've got these two lovely kids. Shalom and Shama. Now, the intended destination is Birmingham, coming from Milton Keynes. I want to go, or I've been assigned to go to Birmingham. Now, it's the one who is driving, or the head, who is sitting on the driving seat. If I start to drive my car with my wife on the side and my kids at the back, if I start to drive the car and I, took, I take a wrong route instead of heading north to Birmingham and I start to drive down south to the south end on sea, who is going to get lost? It's everyone in the car. Why? Because the head is moving in the wrong direction. 
So everyone who is behind the head is also going to go in the same direction. And you know what? Perhaps Minister Winnie is on her phone enjoying listening to her own midweek uplift. And kids are at the back enjoying their food. It doesn't matter how they're enjoying whatever they're doing. As long as the car is not going towards Birmingham, they are lost in their excitement. Why? Because the head has taken the wrong road. So that is exactly what happened in the creation. When Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden, the offspring, everyone who was sitting in the same car, began to move in the wrong direction. Why? Because Adam is the federal head of the human race. So everyone in the car got lost because the head got lost. Am I talking to somebody in the house? Now, in order to correct that, God had to come in and introduce another man who is not lost. In order to correct that, God had to bring in another man whose image is not corrupted. And he had to make that man go and occupy the driving seat. Ooh, I'm liking this. And as soon as that man occupies the driving seat, now God no longer forces everyone to sit in the car. But each and every one of us has to make a decision that I want to sit in this car because the driver of this car is going to Birmingham because Birmingham is my destination. That is why in the New Testament, God does not force you to be in Christ. You have to make a personal decision. Somebody shout hallelujah in the house. So when we talk of the image, the image is given within the, the context of creation. So we have got two creations. The first creation in the Old Testament and the second or the last creation in the New Testament. So if you are in Adam, you've got the corrupted nature. That is why David says, I was born in iniquity. Why? Because the image that is upon me was corrupted because of our federal head, who is Adam of the book of Genesis. Is that clear so far? Because that is going to be the foundation to what I want to share. Now, when you come to Genesis, like what we have read, it says, then God says, let us create man in our what? In our own image. But when you come to the when you but when you come to the New Testament, the New Testament, according to Colossians chapter number one, verse 15, it identifies Jesus as the exact living image, the essential manifestation of the unseen God, the visible representation of the invisible. That sounds profound, isn't it? Adam in the Garden of Eden was created in the image of God. But when Christ came, the Bible identifies him as the exact representation of God. As the exact image of God. The exact living image of God. That is Jesus the Christ. 
So the image that Christ comes with, it is, it is not corrupted. That image is not what? That image is not corrupted. And remember I said the reason for the image of God upon us is to give us the purpose. Image is the language of identity. Yeah? The, you get your identity from the image of God upon you. That's why even in this life, anyone who understands who or she is, that person, if you monitor their lives, if you closely uh, analyze their life, you're going to realize that those people understand their purpose in life. Because once your image is distorted, your purpose is also diverted. Where your image is distorted, your purpose is diverted. Am I talking to somebody in the house this morning? So the reason why God had to bring in the last Adam with Jesus Christ, it was for the purpose of correcting the error that we find in Adam. It was for the purpose of what? Of correcting the error that we find in Adam. Because everyone who is born in this world is born in Adam. So that means you come into this world with a corrupted nature. But it's going to take you coming into Christ so that you can have a nature or an image that is no longer corrupted. And once you have the image that is not corrupted, your purpose is, re is rekindled. Your purpose is, re is rekindled. I like how the Old Testament puts it. It says, let us create men in our image so that they may have dominion. The plan and the purpose of God over your life, it is not for you to be trampled down. It is not for you to be looked down upon. It is not for you to be, to be rejected. It is not for, for, for the devil to look down on you. But it is for you to have control. It is for you to have dominion. That is the reason why God created you in his very own image. But when we talk about the image, when we talk about the image, the Old Testament has three different meanings to the word image. How many meanings? The three different meanings to the word image. So when the Old Testament speaks of image, number one, it speaks of form. It speaks of what? Of form. Now, form speaks, form refers or it means uh, a visual appearance of something or someone. That's a form. So when God says, let us create men in our own image, he was talking of the form that men must have a visual appearance to ourselves. So that's the first uh, meaning. The second meaning to word image in the Old Testament is um, model. The second meaning in the Old Testament is model. Uh, let me, let me put, put it like that there. So, the first meaning is form. Let us create man in our own image. In other words, you are taking the form of God, which is the spiritual what? Personality. And then the second meaning in the Old Testament of the word image, it is model. It is model, like a pattern. Right? When you want to make something, you, 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 you want a model, something that you can be copying from. That is the other meaning of the word um, image. And then the last, the last meaning is, is, is idol. I'm sure you hear the, the, Moses speaking to them and says, you must not make an image. Yeah? 
You must not make an idol. Why? Because all these are referring to what? To an image. But within the context of creation, when the Bible says we're created in the image, the meaning is that of form. So in other words, God wants you to have a visual representation or a visual appearance of who God is. That is, that is the image of God upon your life. And the purpose of image is so that you can represent and reflect. I will go down a little bit and I will try to put everything together so you can understand it. The purpose of the image is to represent and to reflect. Last week we spoke about renewing and releasing. And this week I want to talk about representing and reflecting. So when God created Adam in his very own image, the purpose of that image was to enable Adam to represent God on earth. And also to reflect God in this world. So that is the purpose of the image. The image serves the purpose of, of representation and reflecting God in this world. So the same purpose is also true to a New Testament believer. When you've got the image of Christ upon your life, it's a call to represent and to reflect. So the moment you see Adam, you have seen God. Yeah? The moment you see Christ, you have seen God. Why? Because Christ has been given to us in the exact image of God. That is why at one time in John chapter number 14, I think verse number 9, the disciples came to Jesus. I think Andrew was there. And, uh, and, and they began to speak to Jesus and say, show us the Father. They say, show us the Father. And Jesus says, hey, come on, guys. I was with you all this time. Did you not manage to understand it? If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Why? Because I am the image of God. I am the representation of God. If you see me, you have seen the Father. Because I am the form of the Father. Show us the Father. Jesus says, if you have seen me, you've actually seen who? You've actually seen the Father. Why? Because I am the exact representation of God. I am the exact living image of the Father. So in other words, Jesus was saying, I represent God. And I reflect God in this world. I represent God and I reflect God in this world. That is the purpose of an image upon your life. So with the day that you accepted Christ as your personal savior, God gave you the image of Christ. So you've got the capacity and the capability of representing Christ and reflecting Christ in this world. To the very point that when you go to school, when you go to work, it should come to a point and a level where when people say, where is your Jesus? You should be able to stand up and say, if you see me, you've seen Jesus. Why? Because I represent Jesus and I reflect Jesus. 
My goodness. That is why when you come to the New Testament, I think it's in the city of Antioch. The Bible says when the people of Antioch, when they saw the disciples, then they were called the people of the way. And when they saw them doing what they were doing, the Bible says they say to themselves, these are Christ-like. And the Bible says, and they gave them the nickname Christians. Do you know that to be called a Christian is a nickname? Is that right? Why? Because they were able to see Christ in the disciples. So you are able to grow in your spiritual walk to the point where when people look at you, when people hear you talk, they will say, ah, you are like Christ. Where they can see Christ in you, where they can hear Christ in you. Why? Because of the image of God upon your life that enables you to represent Christ and also to reflect Christ. Somebody say, I'm created in the image of Christ. Somebody say, I'm created in the image of Christ. But the question that I want to battle with over the last few minutes is the question that says, what is that image? What does it look like? That image. Because up and until we understand that, the image, we are likely going to miss a number of things. What is that? How does it look like, that image? And I'm so grateful that the New Testament helps us to understand the image of God. Colossians, also Ephesians chapter number 4, verse number 24. And I want us to read this together. One, two, three, go. Put on the new self, the new nature, created in the image of God. That's New Testament speaking to us. Put on the new self, created in the image of God, in righteousness and holiness. So when the New Testament believers hear the language of the image, what they understood about that, they understood that the image of God upon us is righteousness and holiness. Is righteousness and holiness. Is righteousness and is holiness. So when you hear scriptures like 1 John chapter number 4, I think verse number 17. 1 John 4 verse number 17, it says, as Christ is, so are we in this world. As Christ is, so are we. Not when we get to heaven, but so are we in this world. As Christ is, how am I like Christ? I am like Christ because I have the image of Christ upon me. My sameness with Christ is not in my body. Otherwise, it would become very chaotic. Because those who've got the flat nose and those who've got the, what's the other one? The pointed nose, nose they'll be fighting and say, it's us who've got the image of Christ. 
because Christ knows is pointed. Whereas we are not like Christ in the body. So none of this physical aspect represent God. But it's in our spirit being that God has created us to be like him. In what context? In righteousness and in holiness. That's the part that I want you to get. Somebody say in righteousness and in holiness. So I am like Christ in righteousness and in holiness. That is why Paul at one time when he was writing to the Corinthians. I can't remember. It's 1 Corinthians 5, 17, 21 I mean. Or 2 Corinthians. It says God made him who knew no sin. Anybody who knows that verse? God made him who knew what? No sin to be seen for us so that we may become the righteousness of Christ. So that we may become the righteousness of Christ. Why? Because righteousness is the very image. God help me. Am I with you or am I to Or am I together? <laughs> so when we talk of the image, the image speaks of righteousness and it speaks of holiness. So the area that I am like Christ, it is the area of righteousness and it is the area of holiness. Why? Because Christ, God, God made him, who knew no sin, Christ, to become sin for us so that we may become the righteousness of God. I'm talking to somebody in the house. I feel I'm losing a few people. God help me to bring them back. So when you sit down and you're pondering about the image of God upon your life, it is in the area of righteousness and holiness. Why is this so? Because these are the two key elements that Adam and Eve lost in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve lost righteousness and they lost holiness in the Garden of Eden. So when Christ came here to come in and restore that, that is why the New Testament says now, put on the new self. Right. Put on the what? The new self. Now, to put on, it means that what you're trying to put on is not on you. Is that correct? Right. I've got this quote here. If I'm to put on, it means this jacket is not on me yet. Is that right? So that means what is missing on me is this jacket. So in other words, the Old Testament is saying, put on the new self created in the image of God in righteousness and holiness. That means what is missing on man is righteousness and holiness. So when the scripture says, put on the new self created in the image of God, what is missing is righteousness and holiness. I've got to put on that. Once I put on that, I've got the image of Christ upon me. That is the image of God. That is the image of God. Righteousness and holiness. What is righteousness? Let me just deal with righteousness today. Righteousness is... Ooh, yeah. Righteousness within the context of your image, it is not right doing. Can I repeat that? 
Righteousness in this context of the image, it is not about right doing, but it is about being right. These are two different things. Doing right things and being right are two different things. Being right and doing right are two different things. And I think at one point I gave an example and it says, you know what? There are so many people in the world who do right things, but that does not make them right with God. Because the standard of rightness or uprightness with God, it is not in what you do, but it is in what Jesus Christ came and did. So when I believe in what Jesus Christ came and did, I am in a right standing with God. That is righteousness. Let me repeat that. Because I can see. I can sense it. I'm not a prophet, but I can sense it. Righteousness is not about right doing, but about being right. Because we've got so many people in the world who do right things more than church people. But that does not make them right with God. I remember the other day Jesus was confronted with a young man and he says, Master, what must I do to enter the kingdom of God? Because I've done everything. I've done what? He was boasting on what he was doing until Jesus scrutinized him and actually realized that he wasn't even doing enough for him to be right. But righteousness is about being right. In other words, it is having a right standing with God. That is righteousness. When you are able to stand before God and you have got no sense of fear, no sense of guilt, no sense of sin or inferior complexity. Yeah? That is righteousness. This is what Adam and Eve lost in the Garden of Eden. The day that they sinned, they lost their uprightness. They were no longer able to stand before God without a sense of guilt. That is why when God came in the garden, he had to call and say, Adam, where are you? And they were hiding behind the bush. Why? Because, because of sin, they were no longer able to stand face to face with God. So sin makes you run away from, from God. Yet righteousness, it gives you the ability to stand or to approach the throne of God with boldness. What everybody else is running away from, you are able to run to. Because righteousness gives you the ability to stand in the presence of God. But that ability is what formulates the image of God upon your life. In righteousness and in holiness. That is why when God was speaking to Israel in Leviticus, he says to them, be holy. For I am Holy. In other words, you know what? You need to line up to who you are. Because I am holy and I gave you my image, which is holiness. Be holy for I am holy. Because holiness is the language of image. Righteousness and holiness are the language of what? Of the image of God upon our lives. But what I like about this too is righteousness is what enables us to represent God. And holiness is about reflecting God. Holiness is about what? Reflecting God. When I move around, people must see the God that I serve. When I open my mouth to talk at work, 
people must be able to hear the Christ that I'm reflecting. I didn't know that there's what is called industrial language and church language. Where when we are in the church, we have got the churchy language. But then when we go to our workplaces, you know, this very same person who was so nice in the church, you'll be amazed that they, they can freely use even the F words. Am I talking reality in the house? But you know what? When you are a reflector of God, it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter who is around you. Your language does not change. Your speech does not change. Your conduct does not change. Why? Because I represent God in private and in public. I reflect God in private and in public. Why? Because I am the righteousness of God. And his holiness is upon me. That is why God created us in his very own image so that we can represent him and we can also reflect him in this world. I pray that when people hear about Ebenezer, may they hear about Christ. Because we represent and we reflect Christ. When people hear about your own personal life, may people hear one who represents Christ and reflects Christ. Am I talking to somebody in the house this morning? The image of God. Somebody say the image of God. In righteousness and in holiness. In righteousness and in holiness. So it is in this area that we are like Christ. I am like Christ in righteousness and I am like Christ in holiness. I am like Christ in righteousness and I am like Christ in holiness. So I am able to approach the throne of God with boldness. Why? Because I have got the image of God. And here's the part that I really like. Please don't miss this one. When God identifies you, he now identifies you based on the garment that you're wearing. Based on what you've put on. Put on the yourself who is created in the image of God in righteousness and in holiness. So that means if I put on my garment of righteousness, when God looks at me, what he sees, he's seeing now the garment of his son upon me which is the righteousness of Christ and the holiness of Christ. So when God begins to deal with me, he no longer deals with me as Daniel, but he deals with me as the Christ who is on Daniel. Why? Because when he looks at me, what he sees is the image of his son upon me. So God identifies you in your spirit. He does not identify you in your body. Your body must reflect who you are in the spirit. But when God looks down upon you, he identifies you by your image. He identifies us by our image in righteousness and in holiness. So the moment God sees the righteousness of Christ upon me, he deals with me the very same way he dealt with Christ. Oh, I like that one. The very same way God treated Jesus is the very same way God is ready to treat you because you carry the image of Christ upon you. When God sees you, he no longer sees you as you, but he sees the Christ in you. Glory be to God. He sees the Christ in you. And he begins to deal with you as you dealt with Christ. And I like that when God was dealing with Christ in his earthly life, he, you know what? He protected him. 
He gave him wisdom. He was shielding him. He was making ways where there was no way for him. That is how the father was treating the son while he was still on this earth. People came and they were rejecting him. But God the father accepted him. Because, because he was looking at his very own image. You know what? God will never look down on his very own image. Because to look down on his very own image is to look down upon himself. So if you've got the image of God upon you, it's like God is seeing himself in you. It's God seeing himself in you. It's God seeing himself in you. I think that's a profound truth that I pray that each and every one of us must understand. That I'm created in the image of God. In righteousness and in holiness. So when the father looks at me, he's seeing his son upon me. So where the father says, behold my son in whom I'm well pleased. God is echoing the same words to you. Behold my daughter in whom I am. Well pleased because he is seeing his image or the image of his son upon you. But listen to the to the the work of the destructive work of the enemy in the lives of the believer. Look, look at it here. Now the assignment or the mission of the devil in this life, it is to bring you to a point where you have a wrong view of your image. The destructive work of Satan is to blind you from seeing. The glory of Christ who is the image of God. That is the work of the enemy. The God of this age, the Satan, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. That is the, that is the number one work of the enemy. He wants to bring you to a place where he blinds you so that you don't see the image of God upon your life. Do you mind reading that again? The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. But you are not an unbeliever, isn't it? You are a believer. But remember, what he did to unbelievers is what he is trying to do to you so that he can recruit you back from being a believer to becoming an unbeliever. And the scripture says he has blinded the unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ. Who is the image of who? The image of Christ. Now, if Second um, Corinthians chapter number 3, verse number 18, it says, But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, the glory of the Lord are being what? Are being what? Into what? The same image. Whose image is that? Is the, the same image of Christ into the same image from glory to glory just as by the spirit of the Lord. So the enemy doesn't want you to behold or to look at the image of God upon you. Because he knows that the moment you keep your eyes on the image of God in you, your life begins to transform from glory to glory. You begin to see spiritual growth. You begin to increase in your knowledge of the Lord. You begin to grow in your walk with the Lord. So the enemy fights the image of God in your life. 
He wants to blind you so that you keep your focus on everything else apart from the image of God upon you. That is why it is important for you to understand the image of God upon your life. I'm created in the image of God in righteousness and in in holiness. In righteousness and in holiness. When the scripture says beholding, it's saying you need to, to look at something for a longer period of time. You are contemplating on it. Keep your eyes on Jesus the Christ. Because the more you look at him, the more you are transformed into the image of the son. In other words, the more you develop, the more you grow in your righteousness and in your holiness. Glory to God. Somebody shout, I am the image of God. I'm created to be like Christ. In righteousness and in holiness. Say after me, as Christ is, so am I in this world. In righteousness and in holiness. And that is what the devil is trying to fight you. So that you come to a point where you begin to doubt who you are. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The image of God upon me is righteousness. It is the holiness of Christ upon me. When God looks down in this world, may he see the Christ in you. May he see the Christ in you. May he see the Christ in you. And you, when you go into your world, may you represent Christ. And may you reflect Christ. Why? Because you are the very image of God in your life. You are the very image of God in your life. This has nothing to do with age. This has nothing to do with gender. You are the image of God. If you accepted Christ as your personal savior, you are the image of God. You have the image of God. You, you, you have the image of God. You, you, have the, you, you represent God in this world. I'm an ambassador of the Lord. That is who I am. That is who you are as a believer. So in this season of manifestation, can I ask you, beseech you by the mercy of God, keep your eyes on your spirit. Keep your eyes on your, your spirit. Because the spirit, remember from last time I said, the spirit is the realm of activity for the Holy Spirit. Is the realm of activity where the Holy Spirit operates. And that same area or that same realm of the spirit is the realm of dominion. That is where power starts from. That is where glory starts from. That is where wisdom starts from. That is where, that is where greatness starts from. In the realm of the spirit. But remember your spirit is created in the image of God. In righteousness and in holiness. I am like Christ. I am like Christ. Don't be afraid to say it. Don't be shy to declare it. Make it one of your confessions. Make it one of your declarations. When you wake up in the morning, make it a declaration. I am the righteousness of Christ. I am created in the image of Christ. In righteousness and in holiness. Can I co conclude by this? This is not a call for you to work for righteousness. 
This is not a call for you to work for holiness. But it is a call for you to work on your righteousness. And to work on your holiness. Can I repeat that? It is a call for you not to work for righteousness, but to work on your righteousness. It is not a call for you to work all for your holiness, but to work on your holiness. Because I'm acknowledging that I already have the righteousness of Christ. But what I now need to do, it is to work on my righteousness. That is why the scripture says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It doesn't say work for your salvation. It says, work on your, on your salvation. So, your assignment as a believer, it is to work on your righteousness. How do I work on my righteousness? I have to declare, I have to confess who I am. I am the righteousness of God. I have the right standing with God. I can approach the throne of God with boldness, without any fear. Because that is exactly who I am. Work on your righteousness. In other words, work on your, on your image. Keep working on your image. Keep reading the word. When you do that, you are working on your image. When you take yourself some time to pray, you are working on your image. You are developing that image. You are working on that image. You are developing your righteousness. You are developing your holiness. Until Christ is fully formed in you. Glory be to God. Let's rise on our feet. Thank you for tuning in to Your Change, a broadcast aimed at revealing grace and empowering transformation. To interact with us, please visit our website at afmimmiltonkeens.org or follow us at Ebenezer Fellowship AFMIM on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. You can also interact with Pastor Danny on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. For easy access, the links are in the description.